Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 143. <laughs> two shows in two weeks. Truly, we are heroes of the United <laughs> States of America. Just <laughs> paragons of work ethic. <laughs> Doing the stuff that, you know, we said we would do. So many months ago that somehow just doesn't seem to come up as nearly as often as it should between illness and weird shit on television. <laughs> and We demonstrated follow through. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to tell my parole officer. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know us anymore. <laughs> well, it was it was dicey today because yesterday was a very, very long day since. True. Parker, the Crisis on Infinite Midlives uh, mascot, was scheduled for his annual uh, tooth cleaning. Yes. Which doesn't sound like a big deal. I mean, we go to the dentist once every six months, but uh, we can follow simple instructions like open your mouth and say, ah. Brush your teeth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Consider dental floss. Yeah. that's uh, You don't want to come in here every year and be knocked unconscious because you can't follow simple instructions like open your mouth and say, ah. Listerine's not for drinking. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> it, it, this is Massachusetts. The liquor stores are closed at this point in the day. I'll do what I have to do. Okay. Thank you. But yeah, it's when you have a cat, and cats will not. Apparently, with dogs, you can convince them, give them like meaty toothpaste or something, some form of liverwurst that you rub against their gums. You could get a dog to get their teeth brushed. The cats, the cat will not tolerate it. The- no. And, and you can give them the hard treats, you know. It says all over, you know, Animal Planet. It's like, oh, give him temptations. And it's you know, dead. It, it's probably better than giving him sugar or <laughs> mercuric acid or something for his teeth. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, you bring him to the vet and say, oh, no, he's got all kinds of tartar. And the idea of this very vocal cat with a toothache <laughs> fills me with terror and makes me <laughs> wakes me up at night with the cold sweats. So. We bring him in once a year to get his teeth cleaned. But yeah, they got to give him general anesthetic. So he's punch drunk and mentally ill for the entire day. <laughs> it's like he tries to go days without sleep to find a stair to fall down or a banister <laughs> to trip over. Yeah. The, the, when you look in his eyes, it's dead eyes, like a doll's eyes. David goes to dentist. Somewhere in his head, it's. We were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert. When the drugs begin to take hold. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen a cat on drugs? I don't recommend it. Well, they say most cats will find a little place to hole up and just curl up, but not Parker, no. <laughs> he 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 just wanders around with these big glassy eyes and he stays low to the ground because he knows his center of balance is fun. So he's slinking like he's hunting, but like he's been pithed or perhaps <laughs> has had some form of acid and just wanders. So you got to keep a constant eye on him and he gets angry about it. So when he finally feels better, but yeah, he pissed in the sink just to show how angry he was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and made the decision too because there was cat litter up there all over around the sink and and in the sink. So clearly he had gotten into the box and then made the command decision. Now, nah, you know what? The sink. You know what? <laughs> Fuck you both. <laughs> I mean, at least it's the sink and not like you know the baseboard or my carburetor or something like that. True. But, but yeah, so yesterday was just a long day of following the damn cat around to make sure he didn't kill himself. 
No, also he would have sweet breath and no toothache, I suppose. <laughs> well, I mean, also dental issues can lead to, like, I guess, heart issues down the line, too. So it's a whole... Oh, yeah. Plus the, the vet probably had a payment due on her VW. <laughs> I mean, when I go to the dentist, it, it costs, it's maybe $20 out of pocket. Holy. Then again, they don't have to drug me for the entire day. Well, I, I beg them to. You have dental insurance. Uh, that's true. It's <laughs> it's hard to, to get a cat insured, even with the Obamacare. It just doesn't seem to. <laughs> sure he's a dependent. You can't what? Even, can't even get a catastrophic plan, even though cat's in the name. Thank you, folks. Oh, so you spend all day on be that. Be here all <laughs> week. I'm an alcoholic. I have a significant problem. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he was just up and wandering around into things until the wee hours. So the the fact that, yeah, we've been able to pull together any kind of energy today is kind of miraculous. So, yes. So, yeah, it's it's not so much work ethic as I think we're just sort of plotting. <laughs> okay, no, we need to keep forward motion or we're both going to collapse. Yeah. There's a reason we didn't have any actual kids. <laughs> I'd be doing nothing but sleeping and praying for death and <laughs> looking for load-bearing members to chuck a rope over. I can barely handle it. Oh, leave me here alone. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the cat is about all that we can handle. So, yeah, this is just uh, yet another week of not a lot of big comics news. No. I mean, did anything really pop up we even want to touch on? Uh, Not really. I mean, uh, (laughs) next week is Logan, which I'm psyched for. Yes. And uh, we've already uh, made arrangements to go see that with friend of the show, friends of the show, Travis Shea and Pixie Sticks. And that was the movie. I took a lot of shit on our Crises Awards for saying that's the one I was really looking forward to, but it's getting really good reviews. It is, it is. So, once in a while. Let's get that Oscar buzz. Stopped clock is right twice a day. Yes. (laughs) I can't possibly have Oscar buzz. I think I heard somewhere. I don't remember where. Yeah, I I think it was uh, the owner of our local comic store. Ah. Who, whenever I say, Merry Christmas, here's a bottle of Crown Royal, that bottle doesn't make it home. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. He shares it with all the customers. That's God true. bless him. But I've heard it's really good. I'm not sure that over Les Miserables, Logan is going to be what gets Hugh Jackman the Oscar. But it might. It's a weird world in 2017. <laughs> I and suppose the, anything's possible. The Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor goes to Patrick Stewart for his turn as Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Oscars are uh, opposite right now as we're taping, which <laughs> which we're not watching because ever since Forrest Gump won over uh, Pulp Fiction, fuck those people. Seriously, <laughs> fuck them all. I have no time for the Academy Awards. Although I'll watch it if... Although, no, we didn't even watch when Dark Knight was up for Best Picture, did we? I don't think we? so. I don't think so. Usually it ends up being an afterthought. Like we go to bed, we turn on the TV for background noise, and it's like, oh... The Oscars are on. Yeah. I can't watch it because particularly the the before shows, whenever they say, who are you wearing? I, I always picture somebody eventually saying Ben Affleck. He was very excited to see me. I thought I got it all off me. Yeah. There's a, are you about a size 14 joke there that needs to be told, but not by me. Uh, so yeah, next week's show will be about Logan. <laughs> This week's show will not be about the Academy Awards. Uh, Yeah, we're just going to talk a few comics this week. Uh, This is one of those weird weeks. There were a ton of books. Some of them were better more for the promise they might show in the future uh, than uh, they were really awesome. Some were pretty good. Marvel continues to go days without sleep to find ways to step on its own balls. I watched your eyes fill with blood over two of these books. Uh, Yeah, there's... (laughs) 
there's going to be some loud sounds during this show. <laughs> so strap yourselves in. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you just want to get started? Let's, let's do this. All right. Uh, what, do you want to start with Justice League? Sure. Justice League of America, number one. Did uh, not make your eyes fill with blood. Uh, it did not. This one, this one was okay. Okay. There's only, which is kind of a bummer because it's written by Steve Orlando, who's been doing kick-ass work on Midnighter mm. and Midnighter and Apollo, uh, with art by Ivan Rice. Uh, first of all, uh, number one, there's going to be spoilers for every single one of these books. Yes. Uh, number two, uh, it is 2017. We've established that during the course of this episode already, correct? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. So can we please uh, <laughs> stop throwing around fucking references to Super Friends uh, into regular <laughs> DC Comics? Four pages into this book, we got Ryan Choi talking about the trouble alert from fucking Super <laughs> Friends. And the minute, and, and DC keeps doing this, and they seem to do it with books that should be Batman and the Outsiders, because that's the other thing. This really shouldn't be Justice League. Yeah. It should be Batman and the Outsiders. But uh, yeah, it's back in the Outsiders before the New 52. They had Wendy and Marvin, and that was a Wonder Mutt, Super Mutt, whatever the. the the Super Friends were when I was a wee small child, mm. and uh, frankly, I'm more imprinted on Zan and Jaina. May God help us all. <laughs> than you I said was that out loud. Wow. Wendy and fucking Marvin. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I could have you know a big M tattooed on my eye like Bishop does. That doesn't mean I was imprinted by choice. Shit happened to me as a child, like it did with everybody. And if my worst memory is Jan and Jaina, then I'm getting off better than most. Show me on the doll where Wendy and Marvin touched you. Um... <laughs> Well, it was it was form of ice, and it was cold. So very cold. That's why. I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. But yeah, if you're going to do references to Super Friends, it drags me right out of the fucking story. It's not fucking clever. It's a cartoon from the mid-70s, early 80s. We all watched it because we all only had three fucking channels. You get a reader who's under 40 years old. It's like, why would Batman create something called Trouble Alert? It sounds stupid. Well, it's because it's for children. It's for children of Generation X. Okay, so do you think it was independent thought on Steve Orlando's part? I'm going to put this in because it's clever, or was it a note from a suit? (laughs) I can see... Dan DiDio. You've got to work the super friends in there somewhere. I can easily see Dan DiDio having fonder memories and be more of a champion of super friends than of Justice League International. (laughs) I think that if I think that if you put a gun in Dan DiDio's hand and said you have to kill either Booster Gold or Gleek, the human being would die. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. It's true. But I'm not sure Dan uh, wakes up at night, you know, saying, "Oh, Legion of Doom! I miss the Legion of Doom." It's possible, considering we've seen the Legion of Doom headquarters. I don't. There was some book in the last couple of years where that popped up. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, I forget. There's probably a reason I forget. Yeah, well, it's because nobody gives a shit about the Super Friends anymore. <laughs> it's been 30 years. Move on. Marvel doesn't chuck in references to Ms. Lion very often. <laughs> it could only improve Marvel at this point, but uh, they, they find a way to keep Spider-Man and his amazing friends generally out of canon. I'm sure DC can find a way to do it with fucking Super Friends. Never underestimate Marvel. I mean, Chip Zardsky is, uh, is going to be taking over the book pretty soon. <laughs> uh, that's true. And there could be sweet, sweet Ms. Lion love in there because it's Chip and anything's possible. <laughs> All I know is that now I just flashed to that's the biggest problem I have with the Young Animal books. And I like a few of the Young Animal books, 
what the, what's the name of the chemical romance guy? It's not Gerald uh, Jones. No, Gerald, Gerard Way. Yeah, uh, he keeps putting in, and this is great, and I'm glad he does it. Little two page handmade indie comics, sort of in the back of every young animal book, as a showcase for unknown artists, and that's great. But there's one of them that keeps popping up that keeps having Zan and fucking Jaina in it. It's uh, no, God. Damn it, that's not the nostalgia the comics needs right now. Back to your slash fic with that shit. <laughs> oh, God. Incestuous monkey. Incestuous purple monkey. <laughs> slash fic. That's it. Write that down. <laughs> I'll get it kicked right off of iTunes, but it's as good a title as any so far. Yes. So it shows how strongly I feel about that. We've talked about this book for about three or four minutes now, and it's the main thing that jumped out at me is the goddamn fucking Super Friends reference. And this should really be a showcase for Steve Orlando to take on a big team book, a big Batman team book, which should be a big deal. And the problem is, even once you take the Super Friends reference out, I really do have mixed feelings about this book. I want to like it. I, I agree with you, though. I'm not sure why this is Justice League of America when it could just as easily be the outsiders or something like that. It, it, it let's talk about this lineup. Okay. <laughs> so we've got Batman. Yes. It's really the only through line to justice league. Well, black canary, but okay. to back in the old days. But all right. So yeah, then we've got in terms of recognizable heroes, we've got black canary and we've got Vixen. Yes. So Vixen back to justice league, Detroit, <laughs> This thing is sinking weird lines into <laughs> Justice League history. Maybe Super Friends are not the worst thing about it. And then we've got the Atom, but not Ray Palmer. It's it's Ryan Choi. Ryan Choi. Yep. Back from the dead. Yes. Uh, Rebirth has done a few things correctly. <laughs> Rebirth has done a lot correctly. You hear me, Marvel? Anyway, go ahead. The Ray. Yes. Killer Frost. Uh, just trying to go by Frost now. Yep. Killer Frost. Because we, <laughs> we need to rehabilitate Killer Frost because She's popular uh, on the Danielle TVs. Panabaker, is that the name yes. of the uh, the actor? Uh, yes. <laughs> this is going she's, to become a, a hero on the uh, the DCW. She's she's popular on the TVs. The kids like her. And um, Lobo. <laughs> Lobo. Lobo, join my team. No. Not- <laughs> Lobo <laughs> is definitely an outlier. Uh, I will say any book that makes the return of the original Lobo to the DC universe happen is doing the Lord's work. Mm. Um, after that <laughs> pretty boy, I mean, down to Lobo's love of dolphins is referenced in this yes, book. So yes. it's like, okay, this is really Lobo. And I'm not the world's biggest fan of 90s Lobo. I think he falls into the same trap that a lot of 90s comics did. Oh, let's do extreme yes. and you know weird stylized art and let's just do it for the sake of doing it. Uh, and uh, I will say, both of us have Simon Bisley commissions in this house, uh, and I got Judge Dredd, and you did Hellblazer. Neither one of us are. I think you're a bigger Lobo fan than I am. I, I like him in 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 moderation. Like I I would read a solo title because it's him doing individual things generally that don't tend to run into other storylines right. generally. Um, actually, one of my favorite sort of cr- crossovers was I believe it was Sam Keith did an authority Lobo crossover. That sounds familiar. I think I read that back in the day. <laughs> it's in a long box somewhere. Where where he got to deal with with um child Jenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was which entertaining. I, I, I miss the old Jenny Sparks. Uh at, and this, at this point child Jenny should be seventeen years old. We could start having actual uh, except with rebirth. Yeah. And yeah. with uh 
Warren Ellis taking over the Wild Storm. God only knows where which we're is in a different that. universe, right? So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I digress. So it's a, it's an unlikely crew of individuals, much much in the way that you could make the argument that Justice League International, Justice League Detroit, anything that's not straightforward Justice League. Yeah, well, even uh, the first time, I'm pretty sure Lobo debuted in Legion of Superheroes, but the first time I read Logo was back when Keith Giffen and J.M. Demetrius were yeah. doing Justice League International. It was one of the... One of the early, like, first 24 issues when, when Guy Gardner uh, had had a head injury and was just a nice, sweet guy. <laughs> Lobo coming back was sort of the trigger the, to him becoming Guy Gardner again, which, you know, me at 17 years old, I'm like, yeah, badass Guy Gardner. <laughs> if I could go back in time and punch 17-year-old me in the face, I would do it as often as humanly possible. Well, I don't know. I, I think there are certain characters that need to be, you know, douchebags. For example... <laughs> You know, when, when Steve Dallas was going through his nice phase in Bloom County. <laughs> still a cartoon, still still on topic. I respect that. It was very it was very pleasing when finally something triggered and he came back in classic Steve oh, yes. form. He's back, he's bad. I, I remember the panel. Yeah. I remember the panel to this day. So Guy Gardner, similarly, you you want certain things from your character and sweetness and and, and light is not Typically, what one wants from Guy Gardner. Uh, it's what nobody wants from Guy Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't think you need to punch 17-year-old you for that. 17-year-old uh, me is a character who uh, should be punched and, and retconned out of existence, <laughs> quite frankly. All right, then. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm not terribly excited about 17-year-old me either, but I, I've moved on. and I wake up screaming with the cold sweats for a lot of reasons. <laughs> the cat wandering around in the dark on drugs, pissing in the sink. A 45-year-old me got carded at the liquor store the other day. It was a big day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> at least you weren't arrested at the liquor store. We'll call that a positive thing. Also, also true. Yeah, so, But yeah, there are a lot of through lines to old Justice League in this, but this is very much, it feels like a Batman and the Outsiders book. Now, granted, the old Outsiders book uh, that Mike W. Barr did you know, half the deal originally was it was uh, brand new invented superheroes. Yeah. Granted, most of them were brand new invented superheroes who sucked. Mm. You know, nobody's screaming for Geoforce Rebirth <laughs> or Halo Rebirth. Katana was really the only, even then, a yeah. six or seven out of ten. <laughs> They've done cool things with that character since, but yeah, otherwise. <laughs> Geoforce Rebirth. <laughs> <laughs> also a possible title no I'd like people to listen to this show <laughs> not see Geoforce Rebirth and get the douche chills and yeah. move on to a different show yeah it's bad enough that we've got Jericho Rebirth oh god damn fucking Jericho <laughs> and I like Deathstroke Deathstroke was pretty good but mm. Priest keeps putting fucking Jericho in it. And I think in this week's, Jericho is in his original costume in mm -hmm. a flashback. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I was in a good fucking mood. Why, why do you have to do this to me? I'm Irish up this root beer I'm drinking. I try to be better and drink root beer, and it's just making me cranky and bitchy. I'm sorry. Where's my whiskey funnel? <laughs> I think next week we're going to go back to the old days of five or six beers sitting on the... Uh... Got some Michters like right over there I, I, it's with an eye shot. Somehow rye whiskey and root beer <laughs> seems like a terrible combination <laughs> and not worth my handshake tomorrow. It, it can't be any worse than uh, rye and moxie. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't you dare say that. That's better than you'd think. <laughs> We're going far afield here. We are. I shouldn't do this show sober. That's a terrible <laughs> mistake. Last week exhausted, this week sober. I'm trying new things, and they all suck. <laughs> Next, you'll eat a vegetable. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Not ever. <laughs> all right. Uh, Lobo is a weird outlier in this, yeah. but it, it's good to see the original Lobo back. Uh, I actually like this characterization of Ryan Choi. Uh, mm. I like the fact that he's in over his head and doesn't know what he's doing. Part of it reminds me of Kyle Rayner's role in uh, Grant Morrison's JLA, okay, where he was very much the new hero. Um, I'm a sort of an audience surrogate of, my God, I'm working with these gods. Now, granted, one of these gods is the Ray, who's been rebooted twice in five years. Yeah, But still, it's uh, it's a nice way to have the audience be able to put themselves sort of in the book of, oh, what would I do with the, uh, in this situation? A uh, panic, because yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Although the Ray also has has like newbie written all over him with this too, because there's a, a moment where when they're going after the, the big bad in the issue, uh, Batman asks Ray to put down a perimeter, and he's like, put down a perimeter? I can, I can do that? I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part of the, the whole outsider's vibe of this. You know, yeah. Half of the reason, uh, there were a couple of reasons Batman did the outsiders. Number one, he was tired of working with gods and wanted to work more on a human level, which yeah. is very much a theme of Justice League of America right here. It is, actually. Uh, but the, the other one was, uh, yes, this will help me train new heroes to be better. So, yeah, this really, I don't know why it's not Batman and the outsiders. Unless there's some trademark reason or... I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just it's kind of weird. I, I kind of like this characterization of Batman, even though this is <laughs> very again to go back to seventeen year old me who needed a punch in the face. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't Frank Miller's, I punish criminals. I, I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. That probably wasn't the right, but that that, that <laughs> kind of <laughs> extreme, not extreme. That was nineties uh, intense characterization. Uh, yes. Very much not what Orlando's giving us here, or that Tom King has really since Rebirth. Mm. But it's also as I've gotten older, the idea that Batman is Batman not just to punish criminals, but with the idea that I punish criminals so nobody else has to feel as powerless as I did when my parents were dying in front of me. But it's it's an interesting thing that I mean he he wants to take point in running all of these little ops where he's training heroes but it's he's creating little families for himself wherever he goes <laughs> ew yeah <laughs> i would say i did particularly when uh not zach scott snyder <laughs> I, re I really should drink during the show you, i'm yeah. not at my best i tried i made an effort i tried, <laughs> tried to become a better person a better human being, Want and it Baileys? failed. It fucking failed. There's Baileys over there. Oh, Baileys and root beer. Or perhaps I could just <laughs> stick a finger down my throat and <laughs> get it out of the way right now. <laughs> now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. So the, the, the idea of Batman saying, I'm going to create this separate team that is less gods and cosmic heroes and more... Uh, of the people to give people hope kind of makes a certain amount of sense to me. Yeah, but then I come back to Lobo. <laughs> hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's a thinker. <laughs> somewhere at some level of editorial, somebody said, taking a look back at New 52 versus Rebirth, <laughs> if there is a symbol 
of the excesses that led to New 52 being ultimately, I think we can all agree, a failure. Yes. It was new pretty boy logo. Logo. Lobo. (laughs) It was a change for the sake of change that nobody asked for and nobody wanted. Yeah, a Lobo who walks around saying sorry, not sorry, like he learned to kill on fucking Tumblr. That's not... (laughs) That's not... That's not, nobody wanted it. So somewhere in editorial, I think somebody had the brainwave of the best way we can show we're going back to basics and back to what worked was we need a place to put old Lobo. And I don't know where else you put him unless you're going to give him his own book. He's never been able to sustain his own book. Yeah. Miniseries, yes. No, I think, I think it was... I mean, if you're going to have to put him anywhere, I suppose you want Batman to be the one keeping an eye on him. <laughs> but I suppose... He could have been in Suicide Squad, I suppose. <laughs> that actually would have been a better place for him. And that's what, you know, when they were bringing him back into this universe, they um, had a whole storyline where he was part of the original crew. Right, in uh, Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Right. So yeah, that would have been a better place for him. At the same time, DC is starting to get caught up in the same shit that Marvel is in that even though they're not doing as well in the theater, they have a cinematic universe that they now need to Populate. service yeah. uh, in the actual comic books. So, And I, I give them credit because DC was terrible for forever with, oh, we have a movie out, and let's just pretend that shit's not <laughs> happening in the comic books. I've given the example a million times of Dark Knight is the biggest movie in the world, has made over a billion dollars in, what was it, 2008? Yep. And... Bruce Wayne is dead <laughs> after Final Crisis. Yeah, yeah, that was... So at least they're starting to say we need to have a way for somebody to potentially come in off the street and buy the comic book and hopefully use the movies as an entryway to the comics. But yeah, because of that, you can't have Lobo on Suicide Squad right. unless you're planning to put him in Suicide Squad 2. Mm. And uh, I don't believe... Well, I don't know. He's wearing an iron cross, mm. and they're talking about Mel Gibson directing the next, Jesus. <laughs> the next Suicide Squad. He might fit. Promote synergy. <laughs> Showtime, a-holes. All right. So, yeah, Lobo's a weird fit. Uh, I get it. But yeah. There, there, there is some positive here. Yeah, again, I, I want to like this book, but there were definitely some negatives to the issue, and one of them is with this many characters... Nobody really gets a proper focus. Yeah. They're trying to bring everybody in and give them a moment, which means nobody really gets a proper moment of real characterization. The closest we really get, I think, is Killer Frost. And even the focus that she gets is from other people to make sure we know that she just might kill you. She just might might. suck the heat out of (laughs) you. So it's mostly other people talking about her as opposed to even her talking about herself because she doesn't... Well, I mean, she makes the one reference in the book to, well, yeah, I live here at Justice League headquarters. Because nobody else will have me. Right. <laughs> um, the character that gets the second biggest focus is really Adam. Mm. But, I mean, his character is all, while I kind of like it, it's inferiority complex and just waiting to get fucking killed. Yeah. <laughs> he makes Brandon Routh and Legends of Tomorrow look like Indiana fucking Jones. <laughs> so... But so yeah, we get uh, a few seconds with Array and a few seconds with Batman and with Vixen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so since nobody gets a focus, it feels very ephemeral. It's like okay, yep, here are the superheroes, and then we'll have a quick action sequence. And even the action was not great. No, uh, we got 
basically three pages of these guys fighting Lord Havoc and the Eradicators, and most of that is focusing on watching Ryan Choi fucking lose and almost die. <laughs> yeah. It's completely from his viewpoint, really. And then, spoilers, as we said, Batman offers himself up in Ryan's place at the end because they're going to kill Ryan to make an example of him because the bad guys need to demonstrate that they're really bad. Yeah, so we get a bunch of superheroes who don't get any focus and we watch them lose. Also, the the, the bad guys are banging on about how uh, they've been watching our planet go through what their planet went through and their planet was destroyed because it had too much freedom. So it... Yeah, it needed to have somebody take a strong hand and 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 control and Yeah, so there could be a current political viewpoint that yeah. Orlando's trying to See that the choice of villains here I also had a problem with. Mm. Cuz you know, yes there's potentially, you know, ooh, rip from the headlines even <laughs> though Lord Havoc certainly is. <laughs> there's no Reince Priebus. No. <laughs> but Lord Havoc and the Eradicators are Marvel pastiches. Yes. Uh, and they always have been. I don't know who all of them are, but I know Lord Havoc was supposed to be Doctor Doom. Uh, Gorgon, the guy with the big dreads, mm. uh, is supposed to be Doc Ock. Oh, uh, right. Doctor Diehard is supposed to be Professor X. So it, it's supposed to be basically the Marvel Universe attacks the Justice League of America. <laughs> and, and it feels like whether it was intended or not, or whether Steve Orlando just said, yeah, you know what? Here's somebody I can grab to make some you know, loose political statement for some reason. But when you use pastiches, it feels like you're trying to make some kind of statement about the original characters. I mean, ask Alan Moore, who has done more pastiches better than anybody in comics, to be fair. But I'll be goddamned if I can figure out what statement Orlando's trying to make with using Marvel characters, or if there really even is one beyond oh, here's a backstory about I enslaved my planet to save it that I can just throw into here. I to... think it's probably more that, honestly. And, and see, to me, that's a failing just because I'm trained from years of pastiche stories. It's like, okay, you're going to make some kind of comment on them. I'm thinking of the four in Planetary mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah, all of fucking Watchmen. Squadron <laughs> Supreme. Yeah, Squadron Supreme. It's... It's it's endemic in creating characters like this. And, I mean, and if, unless, if there's nothing to it, then it's like... They're just trying to kick Marvel when they're already down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not hard <laughs> these days, I suppose, but... So I, I'm not sure what what is what I'm meant to take from Lord... Because God knows they just show the fuck up out of nowhere and just say, okay, yep, we're here to... Save you by enslaving you, and these guys show up and lose, and Ben Batman offers to sacrifice himself. Yeah, and there was also a reference made to that the uh, the membranes between universes is very thin right now, so that makes you think, you know, is there going to be some sort of multiverse issue? Yeah, are, are we gonna <laughs> are we going to have Lobo versus Rorschach? Is that what we're going to get? Because soon we're going to get our lenticular covers of Batman and the Flash holding the comedian's pin, <laughs> Silk Spectre versus Black Canary. Do that across 40 pages. Slow the pacing or else I can't come. Jesus. <laughs> the Ray versus Ozymandias. Yeah, no. <laughs> Lobo versus Mothman. <laughs> I'd rather see Lobo versus Ozymandias. <laughs> I don't want to fucking see either one of them. <laughs> Just Lobo taking Mothman out for scotch. <laughs> yeah, neither one of us want any part of this, buddy. No. Fuck it. <laughs> So, 
Killer okay. Frost versus Silk Spectre 2. Uh, oh, Christ, kill her. She's a pain in the ass. <laughs> this is death of fun. <laughs> death of fun. <laughs> so I suppose, yeah, that could just sort of be a shot across the bow of, oh, yes, Justice League will, now, particularly with Batman out front, uh, having among the mo- amongst the most knowledge of the Watchmen universe in cursing, mm. laying over, fucking up. <laughs> the DC universe. Yes. But yeah, otherwise I can't figure out why the fuck we're seeing these pastiche villains. I don't I don't know what Orlando's trying to say, and that's kind no. of a problem. And I mean, it's issue one, so the book was okay. They've laid down a ton of groundwork. Where's it going to go? Yeah, there's potential here. It's a diverse enough group of personalities on the team itself that it sets up there could be good conflict and interplay and banter. Yeah, to the level of the old Justice League International, probably not. But you know, there there could be some good workplace tension going on, which I like in my team books. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's a lot of flawed execution here. We have got too many characters with no particular focus. They're trying to do too much too quickly. We've got villains who pop up who feel like they should mean something, mm. but beats the fuck out of me on, <laughs> on a very real level. It feels sort of like Orlando was saying, shit, I'm already on page 12. I need a bad guy. Uh, who can I <laughs> Who can I just make appear in the fucking book so I don't have to write any more exposition? Uh, I, I don't know. That's kind of what it feels like. And from now on, I swear to God, every winking Super Friends reference from here on out will be considered an automatic failing fucking grade. I don't... <laughs> I don't care if it's in Watchmen. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if Warren Ellis does it. I don't care if Jesus Christ himself comes down and says, Wonder Twin Powers activate. No. <laughs> the revol- the revolution has been canceled. Fuck you. I don't think that Jesus would. The buddy Christ might. <laughs> Here's all I know. Stand the Dio's fall. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> So yeah, I wanted more from this. There's potential here. Yes. But it's a, I, was, I was hoping for more of it. And at some point, yeah, somebody will explain to me why it's just not the goddamn outsiders. Yes. The, my best guess, honestly, is uh, Justice League has always sold better than the outsiders. Probably. Let's uh, just put the right title on it and, and hope for the best. So yeah, it's tough. I, Steve Orlando has other D, DC stuff I've really liked. This one, I, the best I can say is it's got potential. Yes. All right, anything else on that, or should we? No, I think we can move on. Let's go more indie. Okay. Ish. The <laughs> uh, new Darkness? Yeah, sure. Darkness Visible, number one, written by Mike Carey and Arvind Ethan David, uh, art by Brendan Cahill. First of all, I had no idea who the fuck Arvind Ethan David was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Googled him. He's apparently a British lawyer and a movie producer. Uh, who sometimes writes stage adaptations of other existing properties, like he did a stage adaptation of Dirk Gently for British theater. Oh. So yeah, he he adapts other properties, which explains why this book feels so much like Angel. <laughs> uh, at least that's my best guess. Um, all right, before I go into it, any, uh, you know, of the two of us, <laughs> it really feels like Angel's fingerprints are all over this, at least to me. So I'd like uh, to get your impression kinda, on it. I, I, I get oh, where you Jesus, on the back cover of the book, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. From So, yeah, I'm wondering if uh, there wasn't, you know, promote synergy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't, off the bat, go full angel. I, I get where you're coming from on that. I I looked at this more as a sort of supernatural police procedural thing. 
Which I can see, but that's also change police for private detective. Oh, I don't disagree. A, a city where demons are just part of the landscape and everybody's aware of them. I'm particularly thinking more of the Angel comics oh, okay. before right. when they were at IDW and this Darkness Visible is an IDW book. Uh, okay, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Okay. <laughs> see where you're coming from. I don't from. mean to be vehement, but I'm very fucking sober. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I liked this book, but I'd be curious to see where it's going. And I also have questions. Like, apparently, this guy is time-sharing with a demon, and the demon doesn't really do anything to help him until he dies, <laughs> basically. Well, that was unclear. The uh, yeah, the protagonist, uh, what's his name? Aston is mm-hmm. his last name. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a cop uh, on the Cyclops squad, uh, apparently, Cyclops are the particular cops uh, for dealing with these demons who work out in the open, which makes this the second comics universe where Cyclops is an irritating fucking narc. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's clear by the end of it, sort of in the rules. That, there's a lot of rule world building in this book. We'll talk yes. about that in a second. But based on the rules that are laid down here, uh, yes, he apparently dies toward the end of it and wakes up on the autopsy table indicating that the, he is now... Yes, sharing real estate with a demon, uh, at least at this point, whether he always has up until now. No, I think he has because when they're in that, um, when they're in the ambulance that's been run off the road and they're about to drown, he makes the comment, God damn it, wake up, get me out of this. My kid is wake up. Okay. I missed that actually. Okay. So it's possible that he, all right, he may have been riding shotgun with a demon all along. See, I, I get what you're saying about the police procedural part of it, although there really wasn't a hell of a lot of procedure in this. It was, he's True. he's out with his daughter, <laughs> a call comes in on the radio, that's a hostage situation, very much a Nakatomi Plaza, let's just kill a bunch of the hostages so they know we're serious, yeah. to get away with the money or with whatever, uh, and then, uh, yes, there's an ambulance crash. So I don't, I'm not sure what procedure that is, beyond... Uh, Cyclops division. Uh, <laughs> we we react to shit. Right. Yeah. And I <laughs> we show up when it's too fucking late. <laughs> You're already a hostage. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's standard operating procedure to bring your daughter to work when work is a crime scene. <laughs> yeah, even the criminals don't tend to bring the daughters <laughs> to work. <laughs> Daddy's gonna go shoot this guard and then walk out with a sack of money. Yeah. Yeah, you you like pink. You open the bag, so if the dye pack explodes <laughs> in your face. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So he's a shitty cop on top of it. <laughs> Bring my daughter in the hostage situation. <laughs> yeah. So we, we learn a lot, though. We learn that uh, he's a single parent. Mom died at some point. Unless mom's possessing him. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> don't think that's the case. Yeah, they live in a world with demons. The demons can, for the most part, blend in and look like humans, and if they're choosing not to, there's a reason. Yes. And when they timeshare with you, there's a cost that Dad begins to allude to before they're interrupted. Yeah, it's. A, I will say the world building in this, you know, because it's fresh in my mind from last week, Warren Ellis's The Wild Storm number one, mm. this has far fewer writerly tricks. Of uh, There was one point where I sort of caught Aston naming his daughter by first middle name, last name, but even that was sort of a, you know, when you're scolding your child, that, yeah. that's natural. 
certainly not as much. God, it's stuck out all over the wild storm of tell me your name and your backstory, sir, and do it slowly so that the reader can pick it up. There's a lot less of that while yeah. still being pretty effective in introduce, introducing us to the main characters. Uh, you know, the focus is very much around, yeah, a couple of the demons and this main cop and the daughter who may be dead, in which case that was wasted fucking real estate, but no, whatever. No, she's in a coma. So the question becomes, you know, to what degree has he already been bargaining with this thing that's time-sharing with him, and what more will he do because the daughter is in a coma? <laughs> you want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing deep tracks on the you soundboard are. today. You are. Um, because they they set up at the beginning of this that the the daughter is lovely and talented and intelligent and, and she's she's an excellent actress and all of that potential wasted if she's going to be in a vegetative state. So oh, and she banter's like a thirty year old alcoholic in a Raymond Chandler movie. It's true. <laughs> another very Precocious. another very Josh Whedonist Whedon ish. Everybody <laughs> banter's and everybody's got you know snappy spiffy dialogue with each other. It's a, I really. By the time I finished the book the first time, and I've read it a couple times, and I, I generally like it, but it's it's got Angel just fucking stamped all over it. You know, the, the demons living amongst the people. Here it's London instead of, instead of uh, L.A., but whatever. Did uh, A good person who makes a deal with some kind of demon to come back from the dead. You know, that's Angel, particularly if over time he's struggling with the demonic part of it. And there's indications in here that the longer you spend with a demon or a shaitan or whatever they want to call it, uh, the the more like the original demon you become, whether you want to or not. So I can already foresee uh, struggling to maintain his humanity yeah. storyline. That's very Angel. We've got a big bad demon, this Nathan Ulescu just like a Buffy Angel story, we get one right out of the gate. So there's a a ton of parallels that I can see. And that may just be a side effect that we've had one issue to introduce everybody and there has not really been sufficient world building to really differentiate itself yet. Yeah. But as I'm going through this book, I keep having visions of IDW's editor-in-chief, <laughs> Chris Ryall, saying, you know, did, did Arvind... <laughs> yeah, I Googled who you are. Uh, listen, I got a stack of unused angel plots that, <laughs> that have been sitting here since Dark Horse took the license back. If you can get Mike Carey to at least look at the script so I can put his name on it, I'll publish this comic. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know who really wrote what. it's Because Mike Carey's, in particular, the biggest thing I've read by him is Lucifer. Right. Which is deep and lush. And, well, this is very much... Of a cop story that seems reminiscent of a, t- of a TV supernatural show. Well, that's I guess yeah. I'm in that sort of like wait and see kind of things. I I was expecting a little bit more from something with Mike Carey's name on it, but yeah. Well, you because uh, you've read a lot more by him, like Crossing Midnight. Yeah, um, which I haven't read. So I'm, yeah, you, you're a much bigger. I like Mike Carey, but yeah, you've read a lot of stuff by him, whereas I just haven't. So I'm not sure style wise how well this matches up. It's um, slow. <laughs> it's <Okay>. slow. <laughs> All right. And, and yeah, I'm expecting a little bit more texture than what I'm seeing, which is why I'm kind of wondering if he's writing for the trade with this a little bit. Don't get me started with writing for the trade. Give me a few minutes. We're going to get there. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not bad. There's potential here. It's a, Look, I like Angel. So <laughs> there are worse things that could be like, oh, this reminds me of Angel. Whether that's on purpose or not, I'm going to want a few more issues to find out. 
Yeah. Because if it winds up being, yeah, this is kind of a lift, I'll probably check out. But if it's just reminiscent, all right, there are worse places you can start. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I'd say if you're a fan of Angel and don't mind saying, oh, I'm seeing a lot of parallels here to start with, this is not a bad book to pick up. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's give it, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And anything else about this one? Or? No, I, I think I said I'm going to kind of wait and see with it. <laughs> It is the first uh, book or any kind of media in recent memory where by the third page, a uh, stacked blonde opens up a trench coat, and I'm like, ew, no, ah, <laughs> Jesus, why God? Put that away. <laughs> All right. We'll go to the other indie-ish book. Yes. Before we go into full-on, oh, Marvel, why? Why, Marvel? <laughs> Marvel, who hurt you? <laughs> Blink twice if you're in trouble. <laughs> Before we go there, we'll go to an image book. Yes. Uh, by a creative team that I really like. Uh, the Old Guard Number One, uh, written by Greg Rucka, art by Leando Fernandez. What kind of parents would name their kids? <laughs> I never know how to pronounce Leandro. <laughs> Steve. I'm going to call him Steve from here on. I think Leandro is correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, deeply cynical and bored immoral mercenaries versus the American intelligence community. You know, like every other story on TV. <laughs> I liked this book a lot. It's. I thought there was a lot of potential here, definitely. But and why don't, why don't you start out? Well, I I like the idea of all right. So we've got these immortals who are, who are bored as shit and just waiting for death. <laughs> yes, and they're all clearly um, war bound of some sort. And they kind of show some some panels that suggest which battles they've been in historically over the years. Um, there's some Mongol stuff going on. There's some Greek-looking stuff going on. Yes. They, abandoning all you know, sense of, I don't know, business or anything, agree to go on this op somewhere in, where is it, Africa? And because it's one of the, it's, it's based on the idea of that story. The Boko Haram story of we stole all the women. We, st- <laughs> we has your women's. <laughs> Thank God I didn't get the Blues Brothers quote. <laughs> Um, Being a watch list right now. I probably already already are. Um, <laughs> so they they go to go save the girls. It turns out that oh, we're spoiling this, by the way. It turns out we spoil everything. I put it in the show notes every week. That the contact they have that sent them on this, and and they didn't get payment up front or anything like that. And you, you always get your money up front. <laughs> I, I would imagine my. Uh... My my warrior work for hire uh, isn't as strong as it was when I was 17 years old and needed a punch in the face. No, I mean, in any sort of independent contractor situation where you're responsible for wrangling your monies. <laughs> yeah, but I was willing to accept that because uh, the same way I'm willing to accept in any vampire story, you know, a sufficiently old vampire is probably rich as Croesus. <laughs> uh, fine, these guys are immortal. They don't need the money. Mm. You know, they're, they're trying to cover for themselves so they're not found out and put in a cage with electrodes applied to their testicles and anal probes or whatever the, uh, you know, the whatever comic book version of Stephen King's The Shop will do <laughs> to, to figure out your superpowers. I get that. I, I took on faith. It's, you know, okay, we'll, you know, it very much a, uh, not to go all Rudyard Kipling, but white man's burden. We have to go and you know, save the colonials from, <laughs> from themselves. <laughs> 
which is sort of a vibe I, I got from this, uh, and it's something that I'm actually kind of hopeful about because it could lead to some tension with our newer immortal that we find out uh, about here. Yeah, so so they go on this this op that has been set up for them by somebody that they worked with once. Um, yeah, so former CIA. Ago, former CIA. So they break the, They already have a longstanding rule where they, they don't work with anybody more than once because otherwise it becomes obvious you haven't aged. <laughs> Yes, which is brought up when he meets with a, what was the name? Carson or something? Uh, Copley. Copley. And yeah, there's there's aging and then there's having, you know, shit shot into your face and this is clearly not a, not aging. Oh, they have <laughs> shit shot into their face. Uh, bullets. Lead, yeah. Bullets are shot into their face. <laughs> Um, and it's it's an all it's all a big setup because there was something that was streaming to the cloud that was videotaping them as they took on the soldiers that they took on when they came into the room, presumably to save the girls that weren't there. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was pretty clear that Copley and whoever he's working for now, be it the CIA or whoever, yeah. uh, is at least aware or suspicious that something is not right. extra normal yeah. <laughs> is happening with this crew of mercenaries. And the purpose here was it was a honeypot mission so that they could obtain intelligence on what they're actually capable of. Right. Um, being fully aware, considering he says, you're the best team I ever saw. Yeah, there's a good chance if I put anybody in the room to report back, they're going to wind up dead. So let's just do it technologically, streaming up to the internet or whatever. But it does exploit what seems to be their one weakness, which is understanding technology, because there was a cute sort of throwaway as they were leaving the meeting with Copley, where their leader, Andy, is futzing about with an iPad and having difficulty making it work. Yeah, (laughs) but even that, that struck me as sort of precious, high-level world-building, like Greg Rucka saying, you know, old people. They can't figure out cell phones, no matter how young they might look. They're old people in the cell phones, am I right? You go home for Christmas and you gotta fix the cell phones and <laughs> and get all the. They've got fourteen taskbars on Internet Explorer mm-hmm. that you gotta fix when you go home for Christmas. Fucking old people in technology, huh? Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> Are you that actually. <laughs> Going home for Christmas is difficult sometimes. I'll put it that way. But th- that was one thing where it's like, uh, all right, that's eh, I get what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's it, it rang true. That yeah, if you saw a camcorder set up, my mom would say, "Get the tape." Yeah, my mom after she killed forty six mercenaries. <laughs> yeah, it was a visual. Get the tape out. No, it streams to the internet. What stream? Oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so alcohol is better than caffeine for this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Afghanistan, <laughs> <laughs> three words that have never ended well for anybody. <laughs> um, another immortal is revealed, and I, we don't even know if she knows that she's an immortal. Yeah, it's not made really clear. Although, frankly, one thing I didn't like about this, the opening uh, page one inside cover blurb, number one, tells us right out of the gate that these people are immortal. So any kind of potential surprise of what might happen when they go into battle is gone. But doesn't it also say, oh, a new immortal has... That's at the end. But no, check the inside cover. I I did. Uh, what What does it say? It says, this is a fairy tale of blood and bullets. It's the story of one woman and three men who cannot die, mostly. Their names are Andy, Nikki, Joe, and Booker. It's a story about time and age and ages and about friendship and love and regret. And then there's a quote from General Douglas MacArthur. Old soldiers never die, they just fade away. 
And then there's a quote from uh, Andrew Zimmern. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's the Marvel book, honey. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> okay, my mistake. And my then mistake. on the back page, it says the old guard part two. The old guard is revealed. A new immortal is discovered. Things go sideways fast. Okay, so that's I misremembered where it was. So, so it's clearly... At least the discovery is new. It's not clear whether I think Nile is the name of the uh, the woman. Who, yes. Yeah. It's one thing I liked about this. Number one, uh, and this is purely what I brought to the book. This creative team worked on at least one series of Queen and Country, right? As a story that has at least the American intelligence community as a part of it, having Rucka's voice and these visuals together automatically brings a sort of shorthand that brings to mind more serious-minded, straight-ahead espionage stories. So it, it gave a shorthand to give it weight that it wouldn't necessarily with a different creative team or a different artist, so I yeah. liked that. But again, that's what I brought to it, and I love those old Queen and Country books from 15, 17 years ago. So if you haven't read it, you won't necessarily get that kind of shorthand, but it, it helped. It worked for me to help ground this more supernatural story. Well, what I also liked about this book as a, as opposed to Carrie's book is in terms of the world building that was happening, they didn't feel compelled to have to explain everything out of the gate. We don't know why they're immortal. We yes. don't know how many immortals exist in the world at any given time. We we don't know specifically how they all met each other. Yep. Um, we don't know. Nothing has been telegraphed about what a particular weakness is that might take them out. It's all just sort of left for the reader to wonder about. And that's good because that means that he has lots of places to go. And I don't want him to necessarily answer that right away. Right. And this also, uh, to compare it to a book we already talked about, Justice League of America, there's a bunch of characters in this. We spend most of our time with Andy Mm -hmm. and with Niall. And and we get little interplays between other characters, but you know, the other ones I couldn't even, you know, point to by name at this point, but that's okay. Yeah. It's uh, we get a sense of the relationship and a sense of how long they've worked together and a couple of anchor point characters to start to care about and everything else can be fleshed out later. And I thought yeah. that was a lot more effective than what I saw in Justice League of America where it's everybody needs at least five or six panels and therefore, you know, if everybody gets focused, nobody gets focus and yeah, and I, and I think that's something writers forget because they feel like, oh, well, if I'm going to have all of these characters in the story, then I, I need to spend time with each of them. It, no, nobody's going to go to their agent and bitch that they didn't get enough lines. They're fictional characters. Right. <laughs> that's right. Give them till the fourth issue. I, I don't need to know Booker's backstory for a little while. I don't even know which one's Booker. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing I liked on this, and this could just be what I'm reading into it, and I think you got more... One thing that jumped out to me is at least one of the crew had what seemed like a big Crusades cross yes. on their body armor. Yes. So something that just sort of started to ruminate in my head. You know, if I'm reading some of these signs right, potentially there's something interesting here where if Andy and company's history dates back to like the Crusades or colonial style wars and has a history of working as a colonial force. You know, like I said, the old Rudyard Kipling's, oh, white man's burden. Well, no, it's not a burden. Nobody fucking wants you here, but you're injecting yourself into these cultures doing what you think is misguidedly right. And yet you have Niall, who is shown very much as a character in Afghanistan, who, okay, I'm the one who goes in and makes peace and talks with people and tries to keep things from becoming violent or culturally insensitive. 
that that's potentially a clash of cultures on I, I think we can probably agree Niall is going to wind up on the team. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like four on one as a battle would be unfair considering nobody can die. <laughs> so that would just go on forever for no reason. But there could be potential just philosophical differences between these old people who don't know how to work their fucking phone and <laughs> what's the other thing old people do? I can't work my phone and inject casual racism <laughs> into my conversations. There, there could be real interesting character interplay. If if I'm reading these characters in their background and the type of military adventures they may have had just based on a few panels. Yeah. It, it appears that Andy at some point was um, an Amazon because they're, they they draw her initially as as only having the one breast and there's lots of archery going on there is somebody that was there from the crusades uh there's somebody there from i don't know what time period this is supposed to be but i'm going to go with like the 1700s some sort of you've got that sort of weird rough like they show in or maybe 1600s okay uh like you see in some european portraiture at that time and then somebody it looks like probably around World War One, based on the bullets. All right. Well, as long as I skip World War Two, because I'm pretty sure I could nuke an immortal. <laughs> <laughs> Might be fun to watch, too. Yeah. No, but I think you raise a valid point in terms of, you know, it, this new immortal clearly doesn't seem to be gung-ho on, on let's kill everyone. In fact, she... Dis- she, she seemingly dies because she's trying very hard not to kill um, the the perp that they're going after in Afghanistan here. Right, she's trying to save his life, and he's angry about it because he wants to go out as a martyr. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's potentially interplay. And yeah, the more I think about it, it shit, I just thought, sort of thought it was cutesy Greg Rucka, you know, oh, old people can't work phones. But no, if he's trying for a particular type of, yes, these people have been around forever and they're out of touch the same as any other old person and think, yes, the the first thing that you do when the locals get uppity is send in military force and that's what we do, there could be some really good conflict and the, between and Andy and Niall. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that. If I'm reading it right, it's speculation based on a few panels and a little bit of introduction. Uh, I'm I'm bringing a lot into this book. That's the weird thing about it. It's... Of all the books, I brought a lot into it, partially because of the creative team and other stuff I've seen them work on. But yeah, there's there's enough there to start to project into it, and that's kind of fun with a book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, you know, what I what I got from <laughs> from the darkness uh, darkness book was Angel. <laughs> can Can you smell the limited TV series? I I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> I smell something. <laughs> Next on Fox. Yeah, but. I mean, putting a supernatural element into a hard-boiled spy story has some potential to me. Yes. Yeah, there's some good, smart setup here. And yeah, the idea of putting just at a plot level, we have all these years of battlefield experience versus the modern surveillance state that we in no way clearly fully understand, mm. you know, that could be cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, right now it's really, it's all promise. It's a cool elevator pitch. We've got some good high-level world building here. Schrodinger's comic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's both awesome and it sucks. Schrodinger's comic, possible title. Where's my pen? I got it. I okay. Got it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, this is a great creative team that I uh, have in some books that I absolutely love. 
you know, Queen and Country. You know, I've got every one of the Omnibus editions. I've, I've got a lot of the, the original issues. So, yeah, it's good to see this creative team back together. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of promise here. So th- this is probably probably my book of the week so far now that I think about it. It's, it's getting better the more I think about it. <laughs> That's because uh, it, we're, we're about to discuss these other two things. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. What's next? Rob handed me this book. <laughs> he said you should read this. It's it's a book about the Hulk, <laughs> in which the Hulk does not appear. This is the third issue in a row that's titled Hulk that has no Hulk. <laughs> read it. <laughs> Amanda, everybody. <laughs> that wasn't planned. Would, it, would you hear... <laughs> When you hear the Hulk theme, you you go on. And it's you can roll with that for minimum 30 45 seconds and it's it's always genius. I fucking love that shit. Thanks. Unlike this comic book, Hulk number 3, uh, written by Mariko Tamaki. What kind of parents would name their kid that? I think I got that right. I think you got that right. Uh, art by uh, Nico Leon. Yeah, where's the fucking Hulk? It's a good question. It's a very good question. This has been episode 143. <laughs> No, it's the sad thing with this is of all the post Secret Wars two books that yeah. Marvel was pitching, I was really looking forward to this one probably the most because all the indications that we got and most of those indications, let's face it, came from really good covers of Jennifer Walters as a gray, more berserker Hulk. But I'm old school from the seventies and eighties show me a good cover, you sold me a comic book. That's how that's worked with this. I really thought we were going to get, yeah, Jennifer Walters that we never see, which is the Berserker. I mean, we saw in Avengers Disassembled when uh, Scarlet Witch sort of took over her mind and made her lose control, and seeing her deal with the aftermath of that, even on a limited basis in a big team book that was meant to sort of reboot everything, that was really intriguing. It was one of the better parts of Avengers Disassembled to right. me. So I've really been looking forward to, yeah, show me more of that. Well, that's just it. It seems like she's going out of her, like she's aware that this is a possibility, is going out of her way to avoid using, in her words, you know, being triggered. <laughs> yeah. We, we see that it's coming out in off-camera stuff. So, you know, a, a mangled elevator button set um yeah she's showing more strength than she thinks she should be able to living as a regular person yeah like she she has a sort of a, a throwaway moment where she breaks a laptop <laughs> yeah just slamming it shut yeah so yes that potential is there and it would be really cool to see because we've spent years and years with a she-hulk who has her shit together. And obviously revels in being the She-Hulk to the point where in a couple of series since the 80s, she's actively breaking the fourth wall to tell us how awesome it is to be She-Hulk. Yeah. And John Burns from the 80s and Dan Slott's from not too long ago. So yeah, I was psyched to see, yeah, let's see her deal with a more traditional fucking werewolf story, which is what the Hulk originally was anyway. Because we've never really seen this character have to deal with that a lot. We're three fucking issues in. That's 60 pages. Where's the fucking She-Hulk? We haven't seen her except on the goddamn cover. Yeah, it, and when when are we going to see her? 
what's going to finally be the thing that triggers so that we see. Yeah, it's this is a slow burn in the sense of <laughs> is the fire still going? I don't know. It's 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 like somebody lit a fuse on a firecracker and the fuse is gone. It's uh, all right. Is this ever going to go off? I suspect it's on a collision course with whatever creature is protecting her client. Oh sure, it, it's it's clear what is finally going to become what she battles. But when's it going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I consider myself an enlightened male, but there's only so much foreplay I can take. <laughs> Eventually, you got to stick it in. This is how it works. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> We're not talking about the same thing. <laughs> we may not be. It's a look. We've had 60 pages of Jennifer being a lawyer and flirting with the idea that she might still be a little more than human. We've had Hellcat show up. And once Hellcat shows up, you're dealing from the bottom of the deck. We're no longer (laughs) on A-list territory anymore. I don't care about season whatever of Jessica Jones. She was in Jessica Jones, right? So yeah, that doesn't matter. Um We've got a shut-in yoga teacher with a monster keeping her safe, but she's being tormented by her landlord. We've got all this shit going on and no fucking Hulk. There's no Hulk. It's the and, and somebody's stalking her like, and sending her like friggin' yoga tapes and chamomile tea. And- <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> but no Hulk. She's yeah. got tea. God damn it. I wouldn't be drinking, and she drinks it later in the issue. It's like, I wouldn't be doing that. I mean, that, that shit be going straight in the trash. <laughs> well, she used to be the Hulk. She probably could eat whatever she wanted. <laughs> okay, fine. I hope that she too was working up an immunity to polonium. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Marvel Universe. You should probably be a little more careful. Of- <laughs> I mean, my God, when I was a late night, early morning disc jockey, a fan sent something in. Yeah, it went into the trash. Don't be stupid. I mean, nobody was trying to kill us, but just in case. Yeah. There's a- <laughs> somebody put X Lax in the brownies. I don't need that shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not a superhero. <laughs> I mean, this is just, it's, I don't want to say it's decompressed storytelling at its worst, but it's too decompressed. It's, it's, it's a slow build story about the strongest one there is. Those don't map. No. They don't work well together. We've, it's, it's a long and meandering character study about somebody who historically has been one of the most upbeat characters in the Marvel Universe and her depression. Yeah. And the, ultimately, there's no Hulk. Well, and she <laughs> sees it mirroring, mirroring what's, what her client is going through. Great. So we've had that breakthrough. Now can we move forward with the story and actually have some things happen? Yeah. It's the, she has this constant, you know, oh, I'm just a regular person. I'm just a regular person. And it seems like it's killing her. Yeah. And, and yet... Fine, I've had enough setup. I don't want to be a regular person. Fine, let's pull the trigger on. It's like, oh God, not only am I not a regular person, which would have been terrible, I'm a fucking monster who can't control herself. Yeah. That let's get to that. That's where I'm interested in. Somebody is like, oh geez, I just have to throw myself into my work to deal with my depression. That's fine. I got a million novels I can pull off the shelf. Slice of life shit of people trying to work through grief. None of them have covers with the gray hulk. Right. <laughs> Right, you set up a certain level of expectation. Yeah, it's it, this. 
it's taken forever and I was so goddamn excited for this book. It's like there's so much potential here and we're not even scratching the surface at this point. This book has one more fucking issue until I drop it. And in, in that fucking issue, I had better see fucking violence and pathos and horror and terror from Jennifer over what she's fucking become. Everything that I've hoped for from this, you've got one more, you got 20 more fucking pages. <laughs> I need to see the Hulk. <laughs> okay. And show me the horrible ramifications of, of being this terrible thing that you can't control. That's fine. Get into that pathos. That's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, you've made me wait 60 pages in 90 days to see the Hulk. Show me the fucking Hulk. I'm, I'm, it's like you're asking her to take her shirt off. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Unless the title of the book was I'm going to take my shirt off, in which case I'm here. I bought the ticket for the ride. Where's the ride? I want to see the Hulk. It's not a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I, I am so disappointed in this book. And it, it's got it's got time to turn it around, but it's it's running out of time. Yeah. I'm I'm basically done. The, the first issue, I'm like, all right, it's a slow build. Second one, uh, okay. Yeah, if it gets to the fourth issue and we haven't started to deal with this, I don't give a fuck what you've got in mind anymore. That's reasonable. Book titled Hulk with no Hulk number three, ladies and gentlemen. It's an interesting Jennifer Walters story. <laughs> yeah, because that's what sells comics. <laughs> that's not even the worst book I read this week. <laughs> no, now let's talk about that. <laughs> Oh, let's go out with a bang. Let's go. <laughs> Lots of my notes on this book are written in capital letters. Mm. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man, number 24. <laughs> a clone conspiracy tie-in. <laughs> written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Art by Giuseppe Camoncoli. What kind of parents would name their kid that? It's been a big week for me not being able to read. I got to do this show drunk. I've become, I become too angry. <laughs> <laughs> you might hulk out. <laughs> Somebody has to. <laughs> My first note here is clones ruin everything. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'll make one comment and then I'll let you take initial point. We've been dealing with the clone conspiracy now since new comic book day last year. So that's 10 months right. worth of fucking clones. Yeah. And the clone conspiracy on paper ended last week and... Yet here's another goddamn fucking clone conspiracy. Well, because now we have to milk this for what it's worth. It's, it's you know, we've got this one, and then there's going to be one that's called Omega, and that's about the rhino. And <laughs> Yeah, we get to the end of this book, and yeah, find out there's going to be yet another goddamn mm -hmm. clone conspiracy book. Well, because we have to set up all of our villains in a row, so no, that we, we know we what's really, going to happen We really them. don't. After a certain point, cut and run. <laughs> You you take point on this, this issue takes place in the space in between in issue five of the clone conspiracy between when we see Otto and Ben Riley fighting and when we come back and they seemingly have disintegrated. Right. This is the story that nobody cared about. <laughs> yeah. So basically to find out everything that happened uh, at the end of this horrible story, you got to spend eight dollars on two comic books to get the the whole story. Yeah. Uh huh. I don't think we're any any the richer for it. Spoilers. Uh, turns out that there's a... Spoilers. And a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> one of the Warren clones turns out to actually be Miles Warren, 
And he immediately then decides, yes, I should take back my funny costume and put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen, you see, we've all seen the Jackal's costume, the original Jackal's costume. Putting that on has never been a good idea. No. Even in the 70s. No. We accepted disco. Yeah. The Jackal costume should not be accepted. It's silly. Yes. Uh, Meanwhile, Otto runs off with the proto-clone's body. (laughs) Yep. Another clone, another fucking clone. Yeah. Um, ben Riley runs off to his secret headquarters, which look strikingly like Peter Parker's old house. Uh huh. Because it was designed that way. Sure. Ben Riley gets into it with. <laughs> because if you show up a ba- at a bank and say, <laughs> I'm a clone, you automatically get the finest of all business loans. Yes. I'm a clone and I need to, uh, I need to invent a virus. And retrofit a house from 1952. <laughs> <laughs> Sign here, sir. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean this book was unnecessary. <laughs> this, this series was unfucking necessary. Other than they're setting it up. For, now you know when you when you see that there's a Scarlet Spider title link. This is this is how Ben Riley got there. <laughs> Like, anybody fucking gives a shit at this point. Yeah. Number one, let me point out, this is two Marvel books in a row where the title, costumed character, doesn't appear in it. Spider-Man is not in this issue of Spider-Man. Kind of is. Mostly mostly he is not, but... Is he in a single panel? Yeah, he's on these pages. Okay, so he's at the very beginning. All right, never mind. I take it back. He appears and then leaves because yeah. he's smart and wants no part of this bullshit. As as they recap, you know, the whole like using the webware to stabilize the carrion virus with a sound wave, as has been proven by medical science to <laughs> make zombies go bye bye. I think there was just enough of a recap in this so that people who have Spider Man in their pull lists. Uh, won't be left out of the shit show that was the clone <laughs> conspiracy number five, just in case it didn't automatically get pulled for them yeah. like it was at, at our comic store. It's a yeah, look in the end, everybody who Peter thought was dead at the end of it got away. So Otto's gone. Uh, he's got the perfect clone body. Uh, so yeah, which means we're no more than 15 months away from a goddamn handsome version of Doc Ock who looks like Peter Parker showing up to win Anna Maria's heart. Uh, it almost writes itself. Yep. Probably because Dan Slott has been writing that fucking Doc Ock story since 2013 over and over and over again. Okay, try not to break your hand on the table. I'm, break, <laughs> I'm breaking something, goddammit. <laughs> and the problem is now you can't get around it because you, you you can't even go back old, old school with Otto and have a clone of Peter Parker showing up to squire around Aunt May like it's the 70s. That would be weird even for Marvel Comics these days. So it also means that between Peter and Kane... And Ben Riley and Doc Ock, there's going to be four Peter Parkers walking around the fucking Marvel Universe. All right? Three of them clones, which is more than the desired number of no fucking clones. <laughs> it's like Marvel hasn't learned shit between 1998 and now. Do you remember when Marvel created a whole new universe mm. to have a whole new version of Spider-Man that wasn't tainted by this clone shit, and they brought in this crime writer named Bendis to, <laughs> to start it over to get the stink of clones off of Spider-Man, and it was so popular that that it became the de facto version of Spider-Man. It was more popular than the 616 version. Yeah, until about issue 15 where they brought back a clone of Gwen Stacy. Right, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> Do you remember? Because Marvel fucking doesn't remember that. Marvel didn't remember <laughs> shit. Marvel just keeps cloning people. And we've got Ben Riley back. 
Nobody was screaming for Ben Riley, particularly this version of Ben Riley, who in this issue commits the cold-blooded murder of the, of, jackal. of the jackal, burns him alive on purpose, arson and murder, two capital felonies he commits. This is after his attempted widespread genocide via carrion virus <laughs> to make everybody a sucky clone like him. Yeah. And this gentleman is getting his own comic book by Peter David. <laughs> yeah, Peter David, who's never done anything to anybody and doesn't fucking deserve this. <laughs> drew, drew the short straw at the Marvel retreat. Particularly not even after new guy Chuck Sewell fucking killed Jamie Madrox just to make somebody maybe give a fuck about an inhuman someday. <laughs> Peter David does not deserve to have to deal with this. No. And then at the end of all of it, yeah. What does Peter commit arson? Not Peter. Uh, Riley commit arson on? The, yes, symbolically burning down Peter Parker's fucking house. Childhood house. Yeah. And then he threatens a couple of innocent fucking firemen before being on his way to try to make a new generation of comics readers who are unused to the shitty comics Marvel wrote in the 90s try to give a fuck about Ben Riley. I don't know why they're so in invested in Ben Riley considering he's a piece of shit in this book. What are you trying to do with them? I spent 10 months watching some of Marvel's best fucking writers write a piece of shit to spin off in his own fucking book. He is so bad, we are expected to feel relief when Otto Octavius, the man who murdered Peter Parker in 2012, he's the one lucky enough to get the perfect clone body. Oh, thank God. Doc Ock has the unkillable body instead of... The fucking clone of Peter Parker. That's where we're at with Spider-Man now. You're going to sleep really well tonight. Oh my God. And there's going to be a comic book starring this asshole. The only continuing adventure I want to see of Ben Riley is him being crushed to death <laughs> under a spider slayer driven by J. Jonah Jameson who's <laughs> angry about his father while Jonah weakly pees on his forehead <laughs> in a form of geriatric rage pee torture. <laughs> As he dies slowly. That's the only Ben Riley story I want after this fucking clone conspiracy. Just pees in a stream weekly, like right in the same spot in his forehead, like Chinese water torture. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> yeah, Jonah stops taking saw palmetto to get a <laughs> to get a better weak drip to torture Ben Riley with. You you listening, Peter David? <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to do this. Just do the pee story. You can say, <laughs> you can I, want, have it. <laughs> I want Jamie Madrox back. God damn it. Not as a clone, though. <laughs> no, don't clone him, for <laughs> God's sake. Should I get that in there real quick? Ixnay on the own clay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is... And the thing is, we've kept Spider-Man out of almost every other big major story in order for him to do this. Uh, for the last year. I mean, he wasn't part of Civil War II, so he could service this story, which apparently only existed to create a spinoff for a dick. Uh, <laughs> the only reason I can think of is because the world is filled with people like my brother, who for some reason get a half stock at the idea of Spider-Man in a blue hoodie. <laughs> That's the only reason I could think of why you would do anything with this character ever who, again. Who does that? Who sits down with a, a copy of Spider-Man and goes, you know what would make this better? <laughs> A well, blue hoodie. Well, first it was Bob <laughs> Harris, who no longer works for Marvel and is now looking like more and more like a goddamn genius every day. Mm -hmm. 
so he wasn't part of Civil War because of this. At this point, he's not even the focus of this fucking story. So we've got two major events that Peter doesn't really seem to matter all that much. At this point, he's a member of only like one of five or eight Avengers teams. <laughs> I don't even know if he's still rich or if he's going to go back to live in, in Queens with his mom, with, with you his aunt. You would think in the first Amazing Spider-Man title, post the clone conspiracy's conclusion, it would deal with, all right, what is the aftermath of using this sound that destroyed all webware? on the fucking business. You would think that, but that would be stupid and you'd be wrong, and that's why you don't work for Marvel Comics because it's much more important to deal with the pathos of the man who almost killed everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah, who who calls out Miles Warren to task for being so fixated on him, Ben Riley. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody should be fixated on Ben Riley. Nobody. We got rid of him. We won. Comics got good again in the early 2000s. We made a whole new Spider-Man to watch this stink off of. He's dead now. <laughs> but, I mean, this is the Marvel Universe, and Spider-Man feels adrift. Yeah. You know, Miles Morales was part was a key part of Civil War II. He bar- Peter Parker barely feels like a part of this anymore. They, they, this thing now appears to have only existed to spin off yet another fucking spider hero in a new post-Secret Wars 616 that has like 30 of them wandering around. And he's not even a hero. Yeah. I'm going to read the further adventures of Spider-Douche. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Marvel has fucked up Spider-Man. Marvel Comics doesn't seem to know what to do with Spider-Man. In, in, a, in a lifetime where we have already seen them fuck him up with Brand New Day or One More Day. or uh, Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm beginning to think Superior Spider-Man was not meant to be a character study of what if Spider-Man had no sense of power and responsibility. I'm beginning to think if it wasn't a mandate from somebody at the Ike Perlmutter level of, yeah, you know what? We don't have the rights to Spider-Man right now, so let's see if people will put up with 15 months of a Marvel Universe with no Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all I can think of. I mean, is, is that it was some kind of Perlmutter temper tantrum, and we're dealing with the fact they have to plot so far ahead that the fact that Marvel got the rights back, it's like, well, shit, we've already got these many scripts in the can, and we've plotted this far ahead that we have to deal with this. But that, that's the only thing I can think of is another fucking Fantastic Four style pissing match to shit all over the house that Stan and Jack built. It's possible, but I mean, they still could, now that they've got the rights back, they could still pivot. Books get canceled all the time. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> and it seems like they're trying to, you know, the, the Chip Zdarsky, Christ, and I keep forgetting who's doing the art on it. Mm. Um, Shit, I can't remember. But the spectacular Spider-Man that's supposed to be more back to basics? Uh, okay, fine. Maybe we can start to wash this weird stink of... Because uh, Spider-Man well, kind of sucks right now. Hopefully. But you raise a valid point. There's going to be three clones running around, which means that any hope of normalcy in Peter's life is pretty much out the window unless they're all moving to separate parts of the globe. <laughs> That, that's what we need. Just three issues of my home planet needs me. 
Because <laughs> yeah, that would solve it. But Marvel is in a bad fucking place. It doesn't know what to do with Spider Man. They they have to make changes. And I'll give them at least that much credit. It looks like they recognize it. It looks like they're trying to do something with Peter Parker, you know. But God, overall, you know, the number of Marvel books I look forward to now, I can count on one hand. You know, there's Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nova's been pretty good. Uh, Mark Wade's uh, All New Avengers. And Mark Wade, you can generally count on. Power Man and Iron Fist. Yep, but that's canceled. Is it canceled? Oh shit! Really? Yeah, they're they're gonna do. I think just a straight up Luke Cage book or something. Oh, all right. We'll give it to that creative team because that <laughs> book has been good. Uh, so that's four. What else is good out of Marvel right now? I think you've named everything. Jerry Conway's uh, Uncanny Avengers, but that's only because it's really become Deadpool two at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Now he writes a hell of a Deadpool. Although the main Deadpool book I've kind of tuned out of because there's like eight of them at any given time. <laughs> I, that's that's all of Marvel. I can't really think of anything else. You like Old Man Logan? Old Man Logan's not bad, but it's gotten a little weaker as it's gone along. Mm. All right, so that's six. That's more than a handful. I'll I'll take that, I guess. Okay. But uh, my God, they 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 really need. Uh, I th- <laughs> I think they need to do what DC did. Pretend it's two thousand one. Pretend you're fucked. Pretend they're good. Oh, Jesus. We need to change everything right now and just bring in somebody new with a better vision than, I don't know, Inhumans, maybe. Maybe <laughs> people will read the Inhumans. We could try to give somebody give give a fuck about it. That's... <laughs> yeah. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse because it feels like weeks and weeks have been, no, Marvel's fucked. Why? But they keep cramming this shit down our throats. <laughs> it's... The the only positive I would I would strongly suggest you skip whatever episode in the future has the show notes. <laughs> Scarlet <laughs> Spider number one. <laughs> oh no no I think you should tune in for that I think you'll be in rare form. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope it's it's got to be better than I hope because I really like Peter David. <laughs> I, I've, I've I've figured it out. So we have a DC Marvel crossover which is Clones versus Watchmen. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> You're the worst person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> uh, he was wrong and you knew it. <laughs> I hate to go on on a rage-filled note, but... <laughs> ben Riley finds a, a, a comedian's pen. And <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Marvel's got to do something. It's It's really... <laughs> Everything I avoided in the late 90s and got excited about coming back to comics when I realized it was over, that we were doing new shit, that all that shit just feels like it's down the goddamn drain of Marvel right now. DC's picked it up. Yeah. And it's a shame we just talked about the one DC book this week because DC Rebirth, Detective Comics was this week. That was pretty good. Um, but, you know, the first issues you try to try to talk about and give give people a heads up. Yes. When it comes to Marvel, Logan opens next week. Logan, everybody, we'll look forward Woo. to that. All right. Any, anything else we want to talk about with no, uh, I, Spider-Man? I think or... we need to start getting some whiskey into you before you have a rage seizure or something. <laughs> I may have one or two beers. Yes. <laughs> All right. So should we wrap it up? We should wrap it up. All right. Not sure where you found this particular episode. Uh, either way, I apologize. But... <laughs> 
Uh, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. You can send us messages through there, and we try to put some stuff up during the course of the week through there. It's facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. We are on Tumblr, uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. If that's how you like to get podcasts, you can certainly subscribe to us there. Also, if you get a minute, give us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. You know, if you got somebody who think their life would be vastly improved by listening to some poor sober guy scream about Spider-Man for 45 minutes, it's a gift that keeps on giving and you can't beat the cost. <laughs> we are on Google Play. We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. And I think that covers it all. Yeah, you need booze. I need booze. And uh, <laughs> maybe we can watch the Oscars and argue about movies that we haven't seen and which one deserves. <laughs> I've got no strong feelings about any of the, any of the Oscars. <laughs> All right, we'll watch a movie instead. This has been episode 143 <laughs> of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. <laughs> We're just staring at the fucking Spider-Man book. <laughs> like it might leap out and bite us. Oh, it already did. Oh. 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 All right. <laughs>